Want to learn how major brands are tapping into the booming resale market? Tune into this special episode of the Talk Commerce in Dear Partner Corner with Madeline Anderson and Brent Peterson as they chat with Bianca Tarantowicz of Recreate. Bianca is an expert on helping brands launch resale programs directly on their sites to keep customers in their ecosystem. She'll share how companies like Fry and Claire V acquire new buyers through resale and drive loyalty. We'll also hear about the latest tech innovations that are powering peer-to-peer resale. And of course, Brent will be telling his signature bad jokes for the Free Joke Project, much to Madeline's amusement. Stay tuned for insights on the world of branded resale from our guest Bianca Tarantowicz. But first, a word from our sponsors, Content Basis and India. Are you lost in the content creation chaos, struggling under the burden of high costs and complications? Does the thought of regular content posting make you break out in hives? We feel your pain, but don't despair. Your content hero has arrived. Introducing Content Basis, delivering unparalleled content creation and scheduling solutions crafted specifically for your audience and needs. Harnessing the power of AI, we efficiently deliver on-point content every time. Our US-based team meticulously reviews each piece, ensuring authenticity and precision. We value your unique voice and insights. You direct the final shape while we handle ideation to execution. With auto-scheduling, your content always finds its audience. And with bi-weekly check-ins, our strategies sync with your vision. At Content Basis, we're your dedicated ally in the content battlefield. From ideation to posting, we've got your content journey covered. Visit contentbasis.io and say goodbye to content chaos today. That's contentbasis.io. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, talk commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce for the Endear Partner Corner. Today I have Madeline and Bianca. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. Bianca Tarantowitz. Close. Tarantowitz. Wow. Tarantowitz. Oh, all right. She's with. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I of course have Madeline here as our Endear co-host. Bianca, why don't we start out with you uh, just doing an introduction? Tell us your day-to-day role and one of your passions in life. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you both for having me. Um, My name is Bianca. I work at Recurate. Um, Recurate is a software as a service. Um, We basically are a full stack kind of help brands um, enable their resale channel directly on their website. So the way that someone would shop um, for secondhand or pre-loved clothing on Poshmark or eBay, um, any of those sites that people are familiar with, our technology actually allows brands to build that directly on their website. So if I am a huge Michael Kors fan, um, I can go and buy and sell Michael Kors directly with the brand rather than going to a third party marketplace. So we work with brands to really set that up and show their um, their branding and make sure it presents exactly in their voice. And there's a lot of benefits that come with that that I'm, I'm sure we'll talk through today. 
Um, so my role is the director of brand success. So it is a customer success role. Um, and myself and my team are working to onboard the brands into this kind of new channel of e-commerce that we look at. Um, resale is um, amongst a lot of different interactions of inventory. So if Madeline is selling her uh, pair of fry boots that she's no longer wearing and I'm interested in those fry boots, we will help um, facilitate the peer-to-peer -peer sale on um, the fry website. Um, if Fry has some excess inventory that's just kind of sitting around and uh, get getting dust in the warehouse, and there's some really classic styles that people want to get their hands on, it allows Fry to sell directly through their resale channel. So we're you know onboarding brands to all of the ways that they can really squeeze resale out of their strategies um, from a technological perspective, and then of course um, consulting with them on how they can get this messaging to their customers because. Uh, resale is really taking off and the idea of branded resale does require some customer behavior changes. And so myself and my team are working with our clients every day to facilitate that. And then my, my lifestyle or what was it, Brent, that I'm, I'm giving you my your, little your passion. Do you have a passion, passion in life? Um, okay. So I think if you were to ask me this, my answer would always have been dance. I grew up dancing ballet competitively. I even actually was a dance major in college initially. So I feel like while I don't dance as much um, today, I think that would be described as my passion in life. I feel like that will carry me through. And a lot of lessons and um, you know different life stages of, of my dance career, if you will, uh, kind of have shaped me and, and how I am in my work ethic today. Thank you and for Bianca, that. Where are you located? I don't, th I don't think we asked. Oh, yeah. I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island. Oh, great. Yep. And Madeline, um, why don't you share your passion? I think before June, you had a certain passion. Now you don't have that same passion anymore. Triathlons? Scooters coffee? What do you mean? <laughs> you used to run marathons and you loved it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did one marathon, Bianca. And one it was the worst. Is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yep, my passion for one June was a marathon, and it wasn't even a passion. It was just because I thought it would make my parents happy. And, and it did. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, well, let's keep moving. Um, uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, Bianca, the one thing that, uh, that you've so graciously volunteered for was the Free Joke Project. And all yep. I'm going to do is tell you a joke, and all you yep. have to do is say, should this joke be free or do you think we should charge for it someday the ultimate goal here is that joke should always be free and after you hear the joke you, you probably will that might be reinforced or maybe we've had a few out of 200 and some episodes i think there's been three with that said oh yeah that's definitely chargeable so here we go okay me what do you know about adams son very little me besides that Am I missing the joke? Was that the joke? That was it. What do you know about Adams? Very little. Besides that. Uh, maybe I, I shouldn't it. have said the... Yeah. I got it. Was delivery. It. it was delivery. It's all my fault. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. I will say, um, as somebody who is always, you know, looking to make a buck, I was thinking I was going to go with charge for the joke. But maybe when you work on the delivery, you could charge for it. I think that one should be free. 
All right, well, <laughs> I'm going to do one more because I need. I feel like I have to redeem myself. Here we go. <laughs> What's the best thing about only having your right arm and right leg? You've got nothing left to lose. Love that. It's also motivating. Thank you. Um, All right. I think it yeah. should stay free, but I did not. <laughs> yeah. It was better uh, than the first one. Yes. Yeah, it was delivery. I shouldn't have done the uh, whatever. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> In the ever-evolving retail landscape, one platform is changing the game, ushering in a retail renaissance that puts relationships at the forefront. Welcome to Endear. Endear is a CRM built for omni-channel brands, empowering them with the consumer data to deliver a personalized, efficient customer experience that drives sales and retention. Imagine a tool that intuitively understands your customers' needs, giving your brand a remarkable edge. Don't believe us? Geronimo from Rebag says, I've used every CRM from Salesforce down, and Endear is the best one I've found for us. With Endear, your team isn't just selling products and crafting stories that resonate, nurturing connections that last. It's not just a CRM. It's a tool that empowers your sales associates to make personalized connections, bridging brands and customers like never before. Ready to redefine retail clienteling with a platform trusted by hundreds of omni-channel brands around the globe? Request your Endear demo today and enter a future of enriched connections and unparalleled customer loyalty. <laughs> uh, so I, this is a fascinating subject. Um, I think that it, it is also a growing space. So tell us a little bit about how brands can sort of take advantage of this third this third party market that's sitting out there. What are they, this called a market? The 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 next level of market for used clothing or lightly worn <laughs> clothing, and and I hope I'm getting this right. But tell us a little bit about how they can take advantage of it and how maybe how recurate started. Yeah, of course. So as you said at Brent, the resale market is really poised to continue to grow. I think we're seeing a lot of behavior shifts specifically from the Gen Z population and how um, sustainably focused they are, but how open to the treasure hunt associated with resale, the vintage mindset, keeping things in circulation. So there's a lot of buzz around it. And so it's putting this pressure on brands to really kind of deliver in that same way. And traditionally, um, as a buyer and seller, you have options like third-party marketplaces. Um, but a brand doesn't necessarily, other than you know getting the loyalty outside of their ecosystem, get to capitalize on that. And the brands are our clients. And so we really want to show them how if they bring branded resale into their ecosystem, what kind of benefits they find. So first of all, that's keeping your customers in your sphere, um, not letting them go to eBay to buy and sell their handbag when they can do so directly with you as a brand. You keep that customer, you keep that customer data. Um, so there's a lot of benefits associated for the brand to have involvement in their secondhand market um, instead of just kind of giving it you know, to the Ebays and the Poshmarks of the world. So that's really where our standpoint comes from when we're client facing. However, we're also fully aware that the clients of our brands are customers. And so we're also thinking of that, that, you know, last customer as well and how to educate them and get them comfortable buying and selling 
within a brand specifically. So some of the benefits are that of that are if I sell a handbag for $100, I will get $100 full store credit to come shop back with that brand. So win-win for the brand. Now I'm just keep, they're just keeping me in, in their cycle, but win-win for me because I already had the loyalty and the excitement around that product and now I'm able to exercise that directly with them. Um, do you have some examples of some brands maybe that work with Recurate, maybe who you just aren't, you know, they're in the resale space, um, that are doing really well, maybe a specific case study or success story? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say there's a, a ton of measurements of success. And what we really try to do in like when we have quarterly business reviews with clients is understand their holistic e-commerce goals in general, because we can really take resale a lot of different directions in terms of measuring success. One thing that I, is huge that I've already touched on is customer acquisition and loyalty. So if that's something that a brand is really going after um, and a brand that I can cite is like uh, Claire V, for instance, which is one of our handbag companies, they saw uh, great new to brand numbers. So new customers joining via La Resale, which is their resale channel, you know, breaking down that barrier of entry, whether it's price point or, you know, this has always been a really aspirational brand to me and I can't, you know, justify that $500, but this is hardly even used and I only have to spend $250, like sign me up, you know? So I would say in terms of success around customer acquisition, Claire V for sure has seen that in new to brand um, numbers, as well as the loyalty of the sellers. Because now I've sold my item and I have a $100 gift card. And we can see that those people who come back with that $100 gift card are actually willing to spend up to 2.5 more than that. So now I'm Claire V and I'm getting even more out of that seller than their like gifted $100. Um, so it's kind of twofold from the uh, customer acquisition and spend uh, perspective in terms of success there. Then we have um, Fry is a really great example. I know I mentioned them earlier, a very heritage, um, longevity, great product, uh, shoes and leather boots. And so we've seen a lot of great engagement um, through their program and great adoption. And this is kind of where the customer um, behavior change comes into play. And I've been really impressed with, they send in a monthly email and we like watch the engagement of the program go up. And it's awesome because it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And once customers are reminded that you can buy and sell directly through Fry, we literally watch listings and sales go up. So it's really cool to watch those success stories. Um, the engagement with the program, which of course means revenue for the brand, um, and as well as that customer acquisition piece too. How about challenges on brands trying to get um, to, to make this happen? And I would, I would also imagine there's some things that this works well for and there's some things that don't work at all? Yeah. Um, so one of the challenges, which is also kind of, I don't know, maybe it's because I love a challenge, but it's one of my weirdly favorite things, but definitely a tough thing, is how far I think the resale strategy reaches within a brand in terms of like threading of the right people in the room. So Initially, you'd think, oh, let me get the sustainability guy. Let's have a conversation. They're going to love this. Keep things out of landfills. You know, totally. That makes sense. Then you have your e-commerce people. This is going to affect website traffic. This is another tab. This has to be merchandised the same way. But the part that I get really jazzed about, but does kind of present a challenge, is how many other people at a brand 
can be threaded into this. And usually I'm thinking like the ops people. There's always, I've worked for a lot of brands in my past life. There's always a guy in operations that has a lot of inventory that is a headache. And so I think it's really cool to be able to tap those people into to this because it's a bunch of stuff sitting somewhere that is one man's treasure. And so we can really pull that into resale too. So while it is a challenge to get all of the right people in the room for something that seems like one solitary, you know, initiative, I find it really exciting because I think it, it does appeal to a lot of different moving parts of a brand. Um, and then Brent, to your point about types of product that make sense for resale and, and, you know, others that don't, that's for sure a thing. I would say off the bat, anything with a, a fairly good price point, um, which often does dictate the quality of the product too, just keeping it alive and knowing that it has that longevity. When I speak about Fry Heritage product or Michael Kors handbags, they're really putting a lot of quality behind the production of the item. And so that just poises it better for resale. It also gives the seller the um, incentive of, of making a fair amount of money. So I would say price point weighs into that um, quality of product. But I think that shoppers, in terms of the buyer mentality, people are more and more open to the secondhand buying. I, I think we'd be surprised at how few things people would pass by um, to buy secondhand, especially if it's no longer produced or it was a one-of-a-kind color. Um, things become pretty coveted, even so. Especially when you're talking about those brands. Like Claire V is also an Endear customer. Yeah. Um, Fry is certainly a huge brand, and you guys work with some other massive brands, and we have more overlap than just Claire V. Um, with this like new trend of like the Gen Z and millennials being so into thrifting, Thrifting is great, but depending on where you live, like I live in Fargo, I'm never going to find like some like really nice fry boots or like really cool Claire V whatever. Yeah. Um, so being able to go to their website and it's like just quick yeah. and easy. And I know that it's secondhand and not going to be weird smelling probably, hopefully. Yeah. Well, because there is, a, there is that like check and balance also, which is part of our service of before it goes live and is approved is looked over by Claire V themselves. So yeah, you have that, you have that treasure hunt, but also that sense of security that it's coming from a legit place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do, do brands, there has to be, there's probably a sweet, is it like a bell curve or where there's a sweet spot that there's probably real high end brands that don't want to have their products on the resale market or they don't want to think even people are going to have them. And then there's probably products that are so cheap that it makes no sense in trying to resell them. You know, I, for the former, I definitely see that there's like a bit more hesitation around true luxury resale. I think, I don't think it's out of the question. I think things like, and I'm kind of probably skipping ahead to a question later, but I think things like digital ID that's being um, like a technology that's being continuing to be adopted where you can almost see the longevity of like, let's say a Gucci bag, then you're going to be, Gucci is going to be more likely to engage in resale knowing that there's an authenticity and there's like a lot of legitimacy behind it that doesn't tarnish their brand. But yes, Brent, I think that you're fair in saying that luxury is, that level of luxury is a, a harder area to break into. When it comes to things that have a lower price point, I actually think the it depends on the coveted nature of it. Um, 
I think we see with fast fashion a lot, there's like these, this idea of drops and it's like, well, you get what you get and then we're sold out and nobody can ever get it again. And so, um, I think that that in, increases the in, the excitement around product and kind of could even take the price out of it a bit. So I think it depends. I think there's a resale story for a lot of different brands. They just kind of have to figure out what it is the customers would be most willing to do the treasure hunt about. Is it price point? Is it um, exclusivity, et cetera? Um, Bianca, can you actually speak a little bit more on just, I mean, not extensively, but def define fast fashion. I think that's a term that some people hear often if they're like me and they're on TikTok too much, but some people might not. So can you kind of yeah. talk on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually went to FIT and I remember in college when fast fashion was like really being coined and it also makes me feel kind of ancient. But um, basically these like super quick to market um, trends that the second it kind of hits, I guess, social media these days, it almost is in stores quite immediately. It's produced usually very quickly at a low cost and a low quality um, and in small amounts, and then it drops and then it's gone. Um, and I think that I think we're starting to see, I don't know, there's some conflicting things out there because I feel like there's the Gen Z who like, it's all about the longevity and all about the thrifting. And then they also engage still in fast fashion. So I'm still trying to figure them out. But all of this to say that fast fashion is that quick, you know, immediate trend following excitement, buy it quick and dirty. Um, in terms of how that comes back to resale, of course, when we think of resale and keeping things in circularity, giving it more than one, two, three lives, you're thinking of something that's going to be built with um, just resources that are that will withstand and have a higher quality. Um, so, you know, it, it really it really is an interesting journey of how the fast fashion piece will fit into this. But I see fast fashion as things that go from let's call it somewhat runway or social, and then all of a sudden is in your local H&M for consumption until it sells out and the next hot thing is there. Yeah, fashion trends, I feel like, have been moving so quickly lately. Crazy. By the time you get the cool new dress or the cool pants, it's like, oh, they're not yep. in anymore. <laughs> Social media does that to us, right? Yeah. It's instant gratification and on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Does, does the same thing apply to technology? I, I think that Apple has been good at reselling their own brand over time and, and have even having you give it, give your product as a trade-in is the same thing happening with other brands in the, techno in the technology space? I think that's a good point. I, I think so. I think they, there's a little bit of a harder um, approach to that. Like I think you make a good point, Brent, about Apple and how we – in, in the technology space and just like when we're talking about product in general, we're always like, think about how Apple makes it foolproof, right? Like, you know, to click there, there's this like organic feeling. And so they need to hold on to that because that's the piece that I think got us all hooked. But then how do they keep refreshing it to make it, you know, current? So I think it's a balance. I know that's me saying yes and no, which I usually hate that answer, but I am going to submit that answer as my answer. <laughs> I, I think that um, from a technology standpoint, too, the, the fact that you can, that, that the brand has enough, um, has enough people behind it where they want to, they, they you know that that's going to get, that's going to be something you can continue to use. 
And even if somebody trades it in after a year, it's going to be good for a number of years after that. It's, yeah. it's sort of reinforcing how well, how, how well your brand is or how durable your brand is. And I suppose that applies to both fashion and to technology. Absolutely. I mean, even thinking about investing in something and knowing like one of our clients, um, Peak Design, they do everyday carry backpacks and um, like different packing cubes and such. And they use high quality product or resources and they just make a beautiful, beautiful product. And right on their their full price e-commerce site, if you go to buy a full price backpack today, it'll tell you that there are options to buy it. Um at, you know, starting $100 less on their resale site, and you can directly navigate there. That's two things. That's, I'm a buyer, and I can get it for cheaper. It's it's going to be pre-loved, but I can I have the option. But also, that tells me I'm a buyer. I'm going to buy this full price, but I know that I could resell it, and I'm less likely to feel, ah, about spending that much money because there is that resale market. Same kind of trade-in idea, Brent, that you're talking about with the iPhone. Yeah, I love that because I'm a big, um, I, I, it seems like there's always a better backpack when you're traveling for your computer and everything, right? And it's, I've, I guess I've never thought about, should I trade in my Thule backpack and get a better one? I'll just put it in the back of the closet and buy a new one. <laughs> so, right. and, and it, so that does like leverage the fact that, oh yeah, you know what, I, this is just not a complete you know, throw it, throwing it out or whatever, but it is, you can still get some value out of it over time and make it's almost, it's not like an appreciating investment, but it is an investment that you're not going to just lose all your money over. Absolutely. Um, and then I guess one follow-up too on that, on those, on those, um, those short items that are just like, would, would beanie babies, I, I when you, as soon as you said something that's a drop and then people are going after it and they're super cheap, something like that where it's just like somebody buys or somebody puts something out there and then it's gone. If the brand is still there, that's a value for that brand. Yeah. Um, are you, are you asking if Beanie Babies are a good resale item? No, <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I definitely think that's an example for sure. For sure. I think that there's, um, there's that uh, loyalty of customers that is kind of the the thread that we see through all of this and um, and the hype. I mean, if there's nothing that social media definitely has us all hyped up about things, right? Um, and then, but you could also equate that to to brands that have like an authentic um, nature. So we just lost launched a brand called um, Ansur Gabriel and they're a handbag company and they just had their 10 year anniversary. And so they kind of resurrected the whole concept of like timelessness, right? So you have the like fast, exciting, this just dropped, it's out of stock, maybe Beanie Baby like 90s craze. And then you have the other flip side where it's this like authentic longevity kind of mindset and both really yield like resale success in, in my mind. Um, so coming up on our last question here, can you talk about what innovations do you expect um, at Recurate and in the resale space in the next few years? Yeah. So something I touched on a little bit earlier, but think is definitely relevant here is that idea of digital ID and just allowing consumers to understand like the life 
cycle of their products. So um, there are a lot of companies out there that are making it trackable for customers as well as for brands themselves to watch where products go. I think that will lend itself to resale very organically. Um, and then something we talk about at Recurate is our resale OS. So to bring it back to the iPhone, the resale operating system and how it's, it's kind of multifaceted. And I think that as we see technology um, get better in like cleaning and repair of denim and sneakers and, you know, all different kinds of product that um, is using less water and just having really great sustainability um, advancements, I think that will lend itself to resale and those kinds of partnerships will continue to kind of fuel uh, recurate and being able to get those products live for our clients. So uh, also going back to how there's multiple people within a brand and how it could touch the resale um, strategy is like how all of these pieces play back in, how to make the buyer, the peer-to-peer -peer services even more community-based. Madeline, you live in Fargo and I live in New York. You want to ask me where this Mara Hoffman dress hits on my 5'4 tall self and we can communicate and go back and forth. And there's like a community now created. So I think that's, you know, the peer-to-peer -peer piece has a lot of expansion and community that uh, brands will really see a great um, outcome from. Then you have the excess inventory that brands are sitting on that have one-of-a-kind pieces like those fry boots we were talking about and how they can get those into the hands of people uh, everywhere. So I think that as we see cleaning and repair technology, um, different kind of uh, communications opening, channels opening up within the branded resale community, um, as well as that digital ID, you're kind of looking at the perfect storm of keeping products around and kind of letting them travel with their story. So, um, Last week or no, a couple of weeks ago, I was introduced to this term called the white whale where you want to get what is your best or your biggest brand that you would love to land? What, what would that be? What, was your, what would be your favorite brand that you would just love to land? Mm, that is a very good question. Let me think. I wish you gave me a heads up on this one, Brent. It's a surprise question. <laughs> we'll have to go with Colt Gaia. They have mm. like really funky, fun handbags and just like special occasion wear that is conversation starter, but very fashion, very chic. I think I think that would be that would be my white whale. Is this a hint? And Deer works with Colt Gaia. <laughs> well, it actually wasn't, but now. It's <laughs> Now it's a nudge. <laughs> now it is. Look at that. <laughs> All right. I've got another one more unscripted question because I got thinking okay. about collabs and how this is sort of a collaboration. Is is there a space for brands to collaborate if, like, if you're not a competing, let's say a backpack or boots or whatever, I don't know, but let's, is there a place for this to work where you're sort of creating a little marketplace where the brands can collaborate across that marketplace? Um. I would not say no to it. I actually think of two brands right off the top of my head. We were about to launch Monster Gabriel, that handbag company I was just telling you about, and an existing client called Aparis that does um, like vegan uh, fur and, and jackets. They had been talking and like, oh, we'd love to kind of collab with existing brands that you have. Let us know. And we were just having like some just like brainstorming conversations. And then I saw that they did a full price collab. 
and we hadn't launched with Monster yet. But in the back of my head, I was like, oh my gosh, how cool. Now that we have these two live brands that already collabed for full price, it definitely to me shows that there's an opportunity because the customer base is there um, to have that crossover. So I definitely think that's a thing. And we've also done some kind of in-person events where we've done take back events at um, brick and mortar stores that we've helped facilitate um, with brands. Actually, we did one in San Francisco last fall and Claire V and Amore Vare, like right on the same strip. Um, and so we had an event and had some crossover there. So I definitely think it's there. I think when brands have similar ideologies and, and similar goals, you could absolutely make that happen. And then what's, what's the best thing they're sharing customers and, and that's good stuff. All right. So you have to tell me what this take back thing is. Then is that where they can buy or they get the they get the products back to resell, or is that something yeah. different? Yeah. So it's it's more of a take back program. So we basically said to customers, "Hey, come bring your pre loved Amorver uh, women's apparel or Claire V handbags into the store." And then at the register, they traded it in as long as it was in acceptable condition. They got a gift card and they could spend that gift card right then and there. And then the brand was able to easily load that inventory up onto their resale site so that somebody can shop at secondhand. That is an awesome idea. Yeah. Uh, Bianca, um, we've already gone through a half an hour today. Can you believe it? Um, as yeah. As I close out the podcast, I give the guests an opportunity to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. What would you like to plug today? Okay. I feel like I probably already pretty shamelessly plugged this, but we are going into the holiday season. And I do think that I would hope I can inspire somebody to shop secondhand. Um, I know I've already started popping around, but it allows you to get a gift for someone that might have been, you know, out of the price range. Um, also keeping things in circulation. So my shameless plug is for listeners to consider shopping secondhand for your holiday shopping. That's awesome. And Madeline, do you have any parting notes that you would like to tell our listeners? Um, no. You have I'm... something from Endear that's super exciting. Go ahead and tell us. Um, when is this episode coming out? I don't know. In then I don't know what we're doing at Endear. <laughs> um, I don't Let's know. Check out Endear, month. but check out Recurate as well. <laughs> How about uh, how about post Black Friday things that uh, that merchants with uh, with a POS system and Shopify should should look at? Well, I'll say Endear takes twenty four hours max to get set up. It's if you're setting it up from Shopify and we integrate with your POS, so it's never a bad time to try out Endear. Fourteen day free trial. Love Thank, it. Thank you. And Bianca, by the way, that I, that was another unscripted question from Madeline. It was unscripted. Could you tell that I, I was nailed it? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. And uh, I look forward to um, buying my next computer backpack online as a yes. resellable item. Amazing. I'll send you some options. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts.
We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com. <laughs> Quality at 